Today's super wealthy are richer than ever. And they're giving away their billions like never before. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg promising to give away 99% of his shares of the company to charity. Philanthropists are putting record sums into tackling the world's most pressing problems. This is an effort of love. This is an effort of uh, compassion. And unlike the mega donors of the past, today's philanthropists want to see the results in their lifetimes. Michael Bloomberg's philanthropy is a gift to this planet. But how altruistic is this new golden age of giving? Have these mega donors become too powerful? We have created this separate, non-equal system where billionaires can influence it by just buying social change. The way charities work is increasingly under the microscope. A long delayed report into sexual abuse by Oxfam workers in Haiti. And we're in a non-violent, peaceful protest. Donors large and small are demanding better bang for their buck. Caroline, 100. Serena, 200. Rob, 400. This is leading to innovative new approaches to doing good, which are redefining notions of altruism. $100 million has been given thanks to the effect of altruism. Manhattan, New York. One of the pathways, though, since we're going to see if you need any services. We take a car just in case. All right. Office is open at 12.30. All right. Hilton Douglas is an outreach worker for Urban Pathways, a non-profit benefiting from a recent explosion in charity amongst wealthy Americans. Take a car. Check it out. Come in on Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, 12.30. And Hilton is on a mission to tackle one of the country's toughest problems, one rough sleeper at a time. Uh, do you need a place to stay this evening? OK. It's not an issue. They have a few vacancies. There are record numbers of homeless people in New York, and every day, Hilton tries to help some of the worst affected. Here you go, sir. Here's a card. That's the drop-in center. You can go there at 9 o'clock. In 2018, Spending by charitable foundations reached a record $75 billion in America. The charity Hilton works for is one of 250 that are backed by New York's largest and best-known foundation, Robin Hood. Robin Hood provides a small percentage of Urban Pathways' total income, but the foundation also donates strategic and operational assistance. Having the support of funders is essential. Yeah, it wasn't for Robin Hood. I'm not sure where I would be at at this particular time. Put your feet under you. Urban Pathways runs outreach programs and a drop-in centre and provides a roof for around 850 men and women each night. Yeah, it can be dangerous, man. Because other people in the streets will take advantage of you. Rufus has been on the streets for six years. Well, that's the good news for you. I'm going to have a, a placement for you at the safe haven today. Today? Today. We're going to do it today so you can finally come off the streets and begin your chapter, your new chapter. All right? Yeah. For long-term rough sleepers like Rufus, the charity has set up three safe havens as an alternative to city-funded dormitory-style shelters. 
All righty, brother. Start of the beginning, new beginning. All right, so now you can put that bag down finally. Yeah. you've been carrying around for 24 hours a day. Rufus has lost contact with his family and is hoping his temporary home could help turn his life around. Sometimes you have to, you have to act hard when you're not hard. There are a lot of cutthroats. It hurts sometimes when I see people just, just step over somebody and they just laid out in the street, you know? Because I would love to get back to work do things for myself so I can get back with my family, man. I miss my family. The ultimate aim is to get Rufus and other homeless people into permanent affordable housing. That was a gift right there. All righty, brother. Take it easy. Let's see you out there again. Let's take it easy. Hilton believes the Robin Hood Foundation is helping his charity find a long-term solution to New York's homelessness crisis. And say, if I wasn't here, there might be 200 plus more people on the street that you might be stepping over. So Robin Hood is saving lives because I'm saving lives. 55% of the room, $5.8 million. That is stunning. Every year, Robin Hood stages America's biggest, glitziest fundraising gala where it raises over 60% of its annual funding in three hours. Whatever amount that you feel, whether it be $100 to house a family for one night that they otherwise would be homeless. While the average annual donation to the foundation is $108, the gala has helped Robin Hood become renowned as the charity of choice for hedge fund managers and bankers. Over the past 30 years, it's raised and spent around $3 billion fighting poverty in New York. We've helped hundreds of thousands of people change lives, improve lives. Paul Tudor Jones founded Robin Hood, an investor and hedge fund manager worth around $5 billion. He believes private philanthropy leads the state in dealing with society's problems. If we had a perfect world where governments were going to actually act in the best interest of the people, were they actually going to represent and what local communities need and, and address those problems, then no, we, we wouldn't have a need for philanthropy. But that unfortunately is not the case. The innovation, as it does in virtually everything in the world, comes from the private sector. And then quite often is either sanctioned and or adopted by the public sector. And I don't think fighting poverty is any different. Real altruism? for most people at the Robin Hood Gala would be to stop doing business the way they do business. Journalist Arnand Giridharadas spent three years exploring the motivations of America's wealthy philanthropists. He has concluded that some of their business practices create the very social problems their philanthropy tries to address. And what I see is a room full of people who think they are helping, but are working at much greater scale to maintain and entrench a system that frankly dooms the people that they're helping. Real altruism would actually be doing less harm, not running working people into the ground through the pressure they put on the companies they take stakes in. In the past 30 years, the number of foundations in America has almost tripled. Since 1978, 
the proportion of overall giving that's come from those foundations has also tripled. But the US Treasury estimates philanthropy will cost it $740 billion in lost tax revenue over the next decade. Anand claims this giving by wealthy Americans is more about tax breaks than charity. Poor people, people who make $20,000 a year, are paying higher taxes than they otherwise would to subsidize about $50 billion in tax breaks every year that we give people for donating money. You are injecting harm into the society, you are making more money, and then you are going to the Robin Hood Gala to donate 1% of what you have stolen from the common good to a fraction of the people whose interests you have harmed, and you feel so proud of yourself. It's an arsonist convention in which everybody's under the mistaken impression that they're firefighters. While some are questioning the motivations behind large charitable donations, others are taking action to stop what they see as tainted philanthropy. Stop promoting BP, make this gallery for some free. BP keeps on lying, and we will not be silent. It's Monday night in London. A group of activists are protesting outside one of the city's most prestigious art galleries. They are angry that the National Portrait Gallery is sponsored by BP, one of the world's leading fossil fuel companies. Do you not think uh, the arts organisations could do much better getting that money directly from the government? Have a good evening, sir. One of the group's founders, Danny Chivers, has chosen the opening night of a new exhibition to chain himself to the gallery's railings. BP gets to associate itself with this great art, gets to associate itself with these leading artists, gets to present itself as this sort of uh, positive company that's doing something useful in the world, when in reality, it's actively lobbying, spending tens of millions of pounds every year blocking climate laws, slowing down the growth of renewable energy, making the world a much more dangerous place for everybody. And in the middle of a climate crisis, the idea of taking money or, in fact, helping to promote an oil company uh, just seems more and more indefensible. Since 2012, these protesters have been invading spaces and performing guerrilla theatre, like this protest against BP's sponsorship of the British Museum. We are the ghosts of climate present. They call themselves BP or not BP and describe themselves as a theatrical protest group of actor vists. The methane is rising up and killing us. What do we want? We want that justice. What do we want? We want that justice. Tonight's protest is another attempt to shame a major arts institution into refusing philanthropic money from big oil. These institutions need to actually have a conversation with themselves and with their stakeholders and with their publics and with their staff about what are their values and what are their ethical red lines. Folks, just as a reminder, if you could please have your invitation and your photo ID as you come to the front, please. Thank you very much. Many of the guests don't seem to agree with the protesters. I think the um, 
sponsorship of something like this has helped artists immeasurably over the last 30 years as it has been going. Some feel arts institutions have little choice but to accept sponsorship money in an era of austerity. The arts have been consistently cut by the public purse. They have to generate income from other sources. And sponsorship is undoubtedly one of the sensible ways in which they can do it. Five blocks on, Adam. Five blocks on. The gallery security try to prevent the protesters disrupting the night. We're in non-violent, peaceful protest. But BP or not BP continues the protest. The group argues that for some major corporations, philanthropy is primarily about whitewashing their reputations. They're buying a cleansing of their image, and they're doing so at a very cheap price. It is not appropriate for overwhelmingly publicly funded institutions to be laundering the images of corporations that are working actively against the public interest. Around the world, revered arts institutions are now questioning the sources of philanthropic donations they receive. President stormed the Guggenheim Museum to protest a donor's alleged ties to the opioid crisis. In 2019, the Guggenheim New York, the Tate and the National Portrait Gallery refused grants from the Sackler Foundation because the Sackler family are widely perceived to have profited from America's opioid crisis. In today's world, perhaps the most effective checks on the motivations and impact of big philanthropy come from other big philanthropists. Today, billionaire Michael Bloomberg announced a $500 million pledge to support efforts to phase out the nation's remaining coal-fired plants. Since 2011, former mayor of New York Michael Bloomberg has donated over $500 million to campaigns to replace coal with clean energy in the U.S. by 2030. I am pleased to announce that Bloomberg Philanthropies is making a pledge of $50 million over the next four years to support the Sierra Club's new grassroots Beyond Coal campaign. But in taking on the battle against climate change, Mr. Bloomberg has also taken on other billionaire philanthropists on the opposing side of the debate. The Koch brothers are among the nation's best-known politically active families. The billionaire's network of political action committees and advocacy groups will spend... For decades, oil barons Charles Koch and his late brother David have given billions of dollars to non-profit organisations in order to promote scepticism about global warming. What I give to my foundations is, is, is all public information. The Koch's donations have had a huge impact on strengthening the climate change denial lobby in America. Their money has helped attack scientists who uh, work in the climate change field. Their money has uh, helped underwrite a, an army of policy wonks and, and lawyers who poked holes uh, in, in different efforts to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. The Kochs have pulled all the levers of power with their wealth to try to stop the momentum to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. What do we want? But Michael Bloomberg's donations to his campaign, Beyond Coal, have proved an influential counterbalance. So far, these have helped retire 289 coal plants, more than half the country's total. Michael Bloomberg's philanthropy is a gift to this planet. Thanks to the coal plants that we have retired uh, through the Beyond Coal campaign, the US still has a chance of meeting 
its commitments under the Paris Climate Agreement, even despite Trump. It's philanthropy that's harnessing the will of the American people and our desire for a better world for our kids. America has witnessed the spectacle of its most renowned philanthropists battling it out over one of the world's most important political issues. The story of philanthropy and climate change is the story of kind of billionaire versus billionaire. It's like watching these Greek gods throw thunderbolts at each other. You know, the Cokes versus Bloomberg. And that's increasingly a story about a lot of issues today, that you'll find billionaires on both sides uh, of the issue. It raises a fundamental question. How much political power should wealthy but unelected philanthropists wield? I think Bloomberg is doing great work. I am worried about climate change. I also think Bloomberg has way too much power for a single individual. You can cheer somebody on in their philanthropy, even as you're concerned about their power in a society which is supposed to be a democracy. Even do-gooding, even philanthropy, even supporting nonprofits, it is still an exertion of power, even when it's good. And the whole point of modern democracies is to limit the power of private individuals over public life. That's the whole game. That's why we did this. And now we have created this separate non-equal system where billionaires can also influence it by just buying social change. While powerful and wealthy philanthropists are increasingly giving away their money, fewer people on average are giving in the developed world than two decades ago. A long delayed report into sexual abuse by Oxfam workers in Haiti says... It's a decline that's coincided with scandals that have rocked some of the world's best-known charities. You not only have taken people's money, you have taken people's sympathy and you have betrayed them. Little wonder charities are now experimenting with innovative new approaches to persuade donors to part with their cash. I am really excited about tonight, so I think it's going to be great fun. In London, project manager Jennifer Johnston is about to give away her money, but she doesn't know how much, nor to whom. I'm not a billionaire. Um, I don't even consider myself a philanthropist, really. Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you for coming this evening. Jennifer is one of 80 people attending an event organised by the Funding Network. We're looking to... We need to grow say. and we need to buy and, you know, get ourselves some more funding. Charities here have to compete for donors' bids. Wave Cafe's goal is to set up a vibrant community arts cafe in North London. Hi, everyone. My name's Sarah and I'm the founder of the Kids Network. It's a live auction with a difference. So you put your hand up, and when I point to you, you say your name and the amount you'd like to give. Caroline, 100. Uh, Octopus, 100. OK. Serena, 200. Yes. Martin, 100. Up the back. 400. Francesca, 100. Francesca, 100. Thank you. Jennifer, 200. Jennifer, 200. I would say in about 12 minutes, we've ratcheted up 15 grand. Charities have just a few minutes each for their pitch. Mothers and babies are dying. 
At an average event, the funding network raises between 25 and 35,000 pounds in about 40 minutes. We want to reduce those maternity deaths and you can help us, please. I have blown my budget already, but that Anyone is inherent else? when you come to uh, events like this. Someone could come along tonight and contribute 200 pounds, but they will leave saying, I was part of a group of people that raised 30,000 pounds. It's a dynamic model of giving and it's making philanthropists out of anyone with some cash to spare. We believe we're democratising philanthropy, something that we all not only can do but have a responsibility to do, and that's, that's what we take great pride in. You should um, learn new things and you should leave feeling empowered and inspired. There's lots of people from different backgrounds here tonight. I think what we've all got in common is a want to engage in the community, in the issues that the world faces today. I feel really inspired. That is the point of the funding network. You come here with your small contribution to contribute to the greater good. The funding network runs events across 25 countries worldwide and hopes to buck the trend in the developed world of fewer individuals giving to charity. I think it's why it's beholden on all of us who are working within this area to be transparent, to be open, to build trust with our donors uh, and to look at innovative ways of engaging or re-engaging people. If you're loving this episode, please leave a review and comments down below. With rising demand for transparency and accountability, some charities are offering potential donors a clearer incentive. Results. Kankan, Guinea, West Africa. The front line in the fight against a disease that kills over 400,000 people worldwide every year. Kubala lost her two-year-old son to malaria last year. But this is also the front line in a new approach to giving that is rooted in hard economics. Here, one charity, Against Malaria Foundation, is distributing mosquito nets. In Guinea, They've handed out 4.8 million nets this year alone, and they're doing it because by analysing data, they've calculated this is the most efficient way to save lives. Rather than attracting donors using marketing techniques that play on emotion, the charity relies instead on arguments based on hard data. It's a growing model known as effective altruism. Effective altruism is uh, a movement and a philosophy that aims to use uh, reason and evidence in order to do the most good possible. Data is absolutely fundamental to everything we do. It critically allows us to say how many nets need to go to each household so that there is universal coverage achieved. IMF Donors have confidence that we're going to do what we say we'll do. So every $2, every dollar really counts. Effective altruism relies on charity evaluators which search for and assess non-profits that save or improve the most lives per dollar. 
the charities achieving the best results are published in a league table to help donors identify which will make best use of their money. Against Malaria Foundation is consistently ranked as one of the highest for impact and accountability. If we were going to buy a car, we would look at all the different options and try to work out which is the best suited and which has the best value for money. It's bringing that same scrutiny that we bring to other you know, economic areas into the charity sector. In the past 10 years, effective altruism has contributed over $100 million in donations towards Against Malaria Foundation. The charity says this has helped fund the distribution of 50 million bed nets worldwide, protecting 90 million people and saving around 30,000 lives. Economically, when you're ill and suffering from malaria, you can't work, you can't teach, you can't farm, you really can't function. And so it puts a burden on the economies of these countries. And it's estimated that for every dollar spent in combating and fighting malaria through bed nets, $12 is generated in GDP for that country. But effective altruism, EA, has its critics, who say giving is not a science, and that there is more to charity than cold, hard numbers. Critics of EA have said that it appeals maybe to logic and not emotion. And we're here at the hospital today, and there are numerous young children uh, who are suffering from severe malaria, and you can see worried parents everywhere. I don't see a lack of emotion in any of that at all. This scientific approach to charitable giving and work is on the rise and is assuming innovative new forms. It's being used by some of today's class of billionaire philanthropists. How this plays out alongside their rising power will help to redefine the impact of altruism and how it's perceived. <laughs>